Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Welcome again to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. Today, I'm feeling a little bittersweet because Mark Guy, who is a longtime head of statewide maintenance for MDOT, is moving on, and this will be his last appearance on the podcast, at least in this capacity. But I thought it was appropriate to speak to him both uh, to get his parting thoughts and also to talk about the winter blast that is anticipated for uh, the middle of the week in much of southern Michigan, lower Michigan. Mark, thanks for taking time to talk on a busy day. Oh, you're very welcome, Jeff. So let's talk real briefly before we get into this storm about about your career a little bit, how many years uh, at MDOT, especially in this position, and and tell me, you know, what thoughts you've you've gained, what wisdom uh, you'd like to share about innovations and changes that you've seen over the years. Well, sure, yeah, you know, I've uh, I've been with MDOT for um, 31 years, roughly. I started back in 1990. Uh, I was. Uh, gone for about a year and a half break in there, but I came back and I've been in my current position here um, overseeing the TSMO division, uh, which includes maintenance and operations for about the past 12 years. Okay, now explain TSMO. Yeah, that's the Transportation Systems Management and Operations. And, and to boil that down further, that's uh, Traffic and Safety, uh, ITS, Intelligent Transportation Systems, uh, Maintenance and Operations, and Fleet and Facilities for MDOT. Yes, and people use the acronym and call it TISMO, and I still right. wonder if the, you know, Joe Sixpack thinks of operations as something somebody else does, or they think that they're the operator because, you know, they're driving the car. Right. Yeah, that that's true, although the roads do uh, need to be operated. I mean, we, we give people message, you know, messaging out there on our dynamic message signs. We uh, operate the roads by taking care of the roads, by filling potholes, clearing the snow off, melting the ice clearing the dead animals off the road, et cetera, et cetera. So it just means keep traffic moving. Exactly. Okay, so I'm sorry, go ahead with more. Yeah, well, you know, so, you know, my, my career career's evolved. It started out in, in construction, and then I actually spent uh, probably 75% of my career in maintenance and operations uh, predominantly um, with a few stints as a TSC manager at three different TSCs. And so I, I've gotten to, I've gotten to see quite a bit of MDOT. I've... Uh, Definitely enjoyed my career. It's a little surreal leaving after doing something for this long, and MDOT has become sort of like a second family to me. Um, I'll still be keeping in touch with a lot of people and all that, and I'm actually still going to be living in Michigan. So uh, maybe instead of me uh, answering to people's concerns about what's going on, now I'll be one of the ones uh, uh, asking asking questions. But on the other hand, since I understand what happens and and you know how MDOT prepares to. Uh, safely move the traveling public from point A to point B, um, you know, I can I, I can help carry on the word even in my in my next career, so to speak. Uh, yeah, feel free to jump on the Facebook page and, uh, you know, help Jesse answer those questions. I, I will do that. No, not a problem, because a lot of times <laughs> it's just people not understanding all the dynamics of what's going on. And uh, yeah, we, we make a very concerted effort to uh, do the best job possible with the resources that we have. Yeah, so absolutely. So just maybe briefly touch on what changes, what what's evolved, what what have you seen? Uh, you know, improvements. Michigan in so many areas of transportation has always been on the leading edge, and I think that's also true when it comes to winter maintenance. 
So oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've done a number of things. I mean, even from you know, in the past 15 years, uh, we've become way more efficient on um, how we use salt. We only use it when we need it. We use uh, uh, the the amount that's going to be effective. So there's been you know there's there's been net savings both in in money and and positive impact to the environment. Um, we've we've been more you know we've we've brought in tow plows, those big separate you know trailers that have a like a really large blade on them and they carry uh, salt and so we you know one truck can plow two lanes instead of one. Um, we put on wing plows, uh, wings on the on the plow trucks, and so we can do more. We've gotten a little more sophisticated equipment on the trucks for dispensing the salt. Uh, one of the big changes has been having a maintenance uh, decision support system, which is basically in cab real time advice coming to the drivers that's collecting uh, you know road and weather data, and um, you know giving giving information to the driver as to what rate of salt, how much they'd be putting down at any one given time. So that way we're not putting down too little or too much, or even whether they ought to be putting down salt. Um, so, in, you know, we've we've done more training because that's one of the keys to doing a good job is providing training to the employees, whether they're new or existing employees. And so, you know, keeping your skills sharp and people learning from, from other people. I mean, we have, MDOT has been very aggressive with um, interacting with our County Road Commission and partnering with them and all the all the various road commissions with other states in Ashto, um, Clear Roads Initiative. There, there's been a whole bunch of things we do to try to stay on the cutting edge, exchanging information, using best practices, sharing our best practices with other people. And everybody benefits from that, uh, not just in Michigan, but around the United States. Well, you know, when you talk about the the salt usage, for instance, and some of the things that you've implemented to really save on the use of salt, both you know, to save taxpayers money, but also to help protect the environment. How do you balance uh, those speeds of the plows deciding, you know, they'll go slower and there won't be as much as bounce and scatter, uh, you know, with the safety of, a, of the plow, you know, going slower when no matter what the conditions are, uh, it seems like everybody wants to drive 85 miles an hour. Right, right. Well, we, and, you know, and that, that's one of the things a lot of drivers learn in, uh, the training we do, and it's a judgment call. Uh, for instance, if they're in conditions where they need to keep moving because a storm is coming so hard, and it's and you need to you need to keep the speed up, and so you're you're getting the plowing done, and so you can make your round trips and stay on top of it, so the roads don't uh, become you know get too much snow on them. They're going to run at higher speeds. There'll be a trade-off if they can run slower and do it safely, keep more uh, uh, salt on the road, then they do that. But there's other things we do to to um, to save salt. I mean, we we uh, do pre-wetting. We 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 wet with uh, salt brine. We we pre-wet uh, our salt in a lot of areas um, with agricultural byproduct, uh, which uh, not only helps the the salt kind of act quicker and stick to the road when we drop it, but we can salt at lower temperatures. Um, I know a lot of people know this, but for the ones that don't, salt typically doesn't really work very well uh, under 15 degrees Fahrenheit. And so we tend to stop using it um, because if you kind of get in that range of 10 to 15, you put salt down, it might work in some areas because of the sun helping it and traffic and then not in others, but then it can refreeze and you can actually create ice on the road. So drivers are trained to not do that. And, uh, you know, if we use the agricultural byproduct, sometimes you can get down as low as five degrees and it'll still it'll still work. Now, that costs a little more money, but on the, on the same to token, it's a balancing act. We want to we need we need to get the ice off the road. We need to keep the roads clear for the safety 
of the traveling public and for mobility. So, you know, school buses, fire engines, people commuting, everybody can get to where they need to get to and, and get there safely. So you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, using that technology to stay in touch more and that the drivers can use to know where to apply, where they've been, all those things that can be tracked across the system. Um, and that kind of extends to what we've done by putting the plows on my drive so people can see where they are. And we've talked, as you know, uh, had a lot of fun with the initiative to name the plows, and there's been tremendous uh, public reaction to that. Uh, a lot of a lot of interest, a lot of a lot of fun, but it has a transparency element too because it makes people more likely to discover the site. You know, we found that that particular feature has attracted all kinds of eyeballs and hits that it hadn't before um, just because of that naming initiative. So, I mean, going beyond the fun, that actually has, it's actually helpful, right? Oh, it is. Yes, exactly. That, that you know, there were so many creative names the public came up with, different people, you know, and uh, to, to bring more people to the site, I mean, that site, you know, like you said, uh, it shows, it literally shows where our plows are. And a lot of the plows have a camera, you know, a live camera in them. So if you want to see what the condition is at a certain point, you can get on the MI Drive site, click on it, you click on the little camera icon, and then you can actually see more or less what the driver's seeing. Um, so that helps people sort of understand. I think too, you know, a lot of people are like, well, where's the plow? Well, a plow can't be everywhere at the same time. You know, most most of our plow routes are, you know, 30 to 35 miles long. And uh, with the truck traveling at 35, maybe 40 miles an hour, but probably more around 35, they can't be everywhere at once. They they loop around and, um, you know, hit it as quick as they can, and then you can kind of see where they are. So if you're wondering when they're going to get back to a certain area, you will you can get a good feel by going to that site, potentially. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. Did you know Newton's first law of motion states that a body in motion will continue moving at the same speed and same direction while the second law states that an object acted upon by the force will undergo... Wait, I thought this was a snowplow safety message. It is, which is why this is relevant. Don't you think that's complicating things just a bit? Not at all. A snowplow weighs 17 times more than your average car. Right, and snowplows tend to travel at slower than posted speeds. So the third law states that action and reaction are equal and opposite. I think it's easier just to remind motorists to give plows the room they need to do their jobs. Follow at a safe distance and don't drive into snow clouds. Things like that. Well, if you're going to make it that simple, why don't you just say don't crowd the plow? Great idea. Stay safe this winter. Don't crowd the plow. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Let's talk about what you're facing this week um specifically today we're recording tuesday february 1st and the storm is supposed to hit sometime tonight pretty much uh yep. continue through wednesday into thursday um, yep. and then and then be chased friday with some you know arctic cold so right um you know you guys monitor the forecasts and they've the forecast is have become much better um so how much i guess how much credibility do you put in that i mean how much prep you do based on the forecast and uh, what happens if you you know you get ready and the big one doesn't come well there are times especially with lake effect when we can maybe think it's coming and it doesn't come now in this case it looks like it's really coming um so but we re we're, we're going to prepare regardless so we're ready and by if they're by chance it's less than what we thought it was going to be or it you know is uh, drifts a little north or a little south or whatever then 
we're still ready. So, I mean, the bottom line is we communicate with everybody, our partners, all of our employees, you know, all the garages uh, keeping very good communication just with themselves. And they they get they get fired up and ready. We make sure that the trucks are fueled up. We think the salts loaded up. Uh, we, you know, double check the trucks for, you know, make sure they're mechanically ready to go. And uh, everybody is 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 prepared. So we get out, you know, we watch it as it's coming and as it's, you know, getting relatively close, we have we usually have one to two, you know, people out there per geographical area driving the roads actually seeing, you know, getting some some ground truth, you know, seeing if it's coming and and then we know when to get people on the road so we don't have to get the trucks out there before they need to be, but we want to have them out there at the appropriate time to stay on top of it and do our very best to not let the, you know, snow build up on the road and especially to let the ice set up on the road. That's one of the things we work really hard to stay on top of that, especially like you mentioned with cold weather coming on the heels of this because um, you know, they're they're going to do everything they can to keep these roads clear so when the cold weather portion hits and we don't have precipitation later in the week um we don't have patches of ice and stuff like that out there so you know we've talked before about our contract with um, multiple counties probably uh 70 of the counties meaning that the the state-owned trunk lines the i routes the m routes the us routes are actually yep. maintained through those contracts tell us about that communication and coordination with the counties and why those partnerships um, are are so valuable and are a good you know a good way to go in terms of economies of scale. Right. Well, I mean the counties. Yeah, we have 63 county road commissions that uh, work under contract for us and uh, maintain our roads, which of course you know uh, includes plowing the snow, treating the ice, and um, yeah, it, it's important. Well, first of all, they're already there working on their own county roads. And so it, our roads go through their area. And so it's convenient for them to also be able to then do our roads and be responsive. And, um, you know, our roads, especially the interstates, are, are the highest priority because that's our primary trunk lines in the state. They know that. They do that. We talk to them as far as, I mean, all the snow routes are pre-planned. So everybody, you know, knows where they're going to be. There's there when when one area butts up against another area, there's a little bit of overlap to make sure everything's taken care of. And there's been uh, from time to time we've borrowed salt from each other when needed. We've uh, helped each other out uh, depending on what the circumstances are. You know, there was a time many, many years ago when one of the counties uh, had a fire and they lost a lot of equipment and we stepped up and uh, loaned them equipment and people and made sure they could keep going. And they've helped us out on uh, on various occasions too, when things have happened. So, you know, we 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 all understand, and in, in in all of our communications with the with with the various counties, uh, we all understand we're serving the public. That's our top priority, and so we partner in every possible way we can, um, you know, to make sure the that the roads are cleared and that we're keeping the public as safe as possible. Are those partnerships unique to Michigan? And you know, talking to your colleagues and counterparts across the country um, that have a similar breakdown of you know, state roads and then local roads uh, is, is is what we do unique? Well, well what we do is unique. Uh, there's only one other state that contracts with their counties, and that's the state of Wisconsin, right across Lake Michigan from us. And they do it 100%. Their counties uh, do all of their maintenance under contract for them. I, I like the model we have because, you know, we, we have our own garages and employees doing about 25%. And, and then the counties do, you know, Another, you know, 70 to 75 percent of the rest, 
and then we do have a couple of private contracts out there. Um, but it's nice to, to me to, to have a little bit of variability where we can help each other out. If something comes up, um, we can step up and help help the other side. Now, I from talking to, to Wisconsin when I have in the past, it, it sounds like things work well there. Um, most other states, though, either have private contractors doing work or they have all, their own uh, direct forces doing work or they have a blend of both. So um, we have a little bit of everything. So in a way, in a way, we're almost the most hybrid because we have some private, we have some direct forces, and we have um, contracts with our county partners. So thinking about the storm that's coming and thinking about going into this season and concerns about having enough plow drivers and the difficulty hiring drivers of any kind, I think I saw a news story yesterday about the incredible shortage of truck drivers and how that is, uh, you know, that was going on before the pandemic and only got worse. How, how are we doing in terms of the direct force plow drivers, what are you hearing from the counties about their ability to hire hire drivers and you know train them and retain them, and, and then talk about anything else that you think might surprise people that you do in preparation for this kind of snow event? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a, a lot of I'm not sure what I can um, share that would surprise people. We, you know, we do do in, uh, across the scale inspections of all of our snowplow trucks uh, well before winter starts and really go over everything with a fine tooth comb, make sure we're ready to go. We have backup vehicles. The, the hiring issue has been a problem. Some areas are not having any problem at all um, around the state. In fact, quite a few aren't, um, but some are. And even where they are, it wasn't 100%. You know, people were able to maybe get two thirds of the additional help they needed. And that's been enough in our areas that are the most challenged <clears throat> for not getting people to um, still be able to uh, do what they need to do. It, I, I think what in part is happening is that, um, you know, the employees are just stepping up and getting the job done. And, uh, you know, and, and they've always been that way. Our, our maintenance employees are really a tremendous asset. They're very resilient. They take dead serious what they're doing. They take a lot of ownership in what they're doing. And, you know, a part of that is just their professionalism. Part of it is they most of them work in the same area they live in. So their family and friends are in that area and they want to do a good job. And so, um, you know, it gets done one way or the other. We in some areas we, we we've gotten a little creative and we'll we'll have other employees that that don't typically plow snow and but they have a CDL, you know, a commercial driver's license. And then they'll they'll do it when we're up against, uh, you know, a, a really heavy demand. Um, but so far, it's it's uh, everybody's getting the job done fine. And um, so I'm very comfortable. We're going to again, even though this is going to be a, a well above average storm that's about to uh, about to hit, you know, mid in, in southern Michigan. Yeah, we've already got some significant snow events this year in uh, in West Michigan and especially in the southwest Michigan snow belt, which you're very familiar with. Yeah. And yeah. And so far, uh, it hasn't been a, a, a problem in terms of human resources. Yep, that's exactly right. And it's like I said, the the the, the drivers they've just stepped up and, and gotten the work done. And you know, and we always have the ability if you get into circumstances where you need more help. Uh, take this storm for instance. It's going to hit certain areas harder than other areas, and some areas it won't hit as you get further north. So if we started getting behind the eight ball, we they'd end up stepping up and helping us and bringing people down and or equipment if needed. And again, that's how we've always that's how we've always worked. People are kind of there to help each other out. And uh, even if it, even if it's state and county and or vice versa, um, when when absolutely needed, and especially when it's 
something that potentially could put the public at risk, we're not going to let the public be put at risk. Yeah, even though a lot of this coordination is done at the region level, that's why it's so important that you and your staff at the statewide level have have you know a good handle on what's going on. Yep, that's correct. So what else, Mark, as you uh, prepare to ride into the sunset or at least into new challenges, uh, would you want to share about about this work in particular? I mean, you've done a lot of different things at MDOT, but most of it has been on this, you know, maintenance thing year round, not just winter, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, my my um, my my thoughts, you know, and I don't know if it's parting thoughts, but it's been the thoughts I've had anyway, is that, you know, we're MDOT has a, a very strong culture of innovation. And so people are actively always looking for better ways to do things. And, you know, one of the more recent examples is these three um, liquid only pilots we have going on where instead of putting down rock salt, we're putting down a salt brine. It's 23.3% salt. And they're, the, 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 po the positives to that is that um, the potential, if, uh, if we, as we fine tune this, and we're going to, I shouldn't say if, it's going to be when we do, is to save 30 to 40 percent on salt usage and to get equal or slightly better level of service. And that saves money because we, we average 25 to 30 million dollars a year in salt. So if we can save 30 to 40 percent of that down the road uh, if we continue to expand this, which I expect MDOT will be, um, that's a huge plus. And the other piece to that is the environmental impact. You know, there's more and more evidence that that the you know the salt levels have been slowly increasing in a lot of Michigan's waterways, and um, that uh, is a huge uh, you know cut in how much salt we'd be putting into the environment, which is going to be in, you know environmentally very positive. So. That's one of the things that I just I want to be able to look back at every few years and see how that's progressing. And I think that's going to be a, a really great thing all the way around the block for the public and for the environment. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that thinking about that innovation, always on the lookout for new ideas and and explaining to people and people within the organization that you're training is as they grow into their positions and people outside in the public who need to understand that it is all a balance and that. Just about everybody benefits, you know, even if you're you don't own a car, you take public transportation, you still use the roads and the local streets and you need them to be clear and dry and safe. And so balancing that against the desire to protect the environment, like everything, it's it, it can be a challenge. But you you and your staff are always thinking about it. And that's all we can ask, I guess. Right. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and even the fact that we do a pilot like this and the potential is, is the possibly even you know, melt the ice off slightly faster than we do already. And, and that, that's exciting because we're, we're it's just going to be safer if we can get the road cleaned up a little bit quicker. Well, well said, Mark. Thanks. Good luck uh, tonight and tomorrow as, uh, as the storm hits. I you know you guys have done a lot of planning and prep and I know it'll all pay off in the end. And good luck to you and your next endeavor. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate your words. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.